Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, The phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Sometimes it's not easy to find that life preserver. We hope that Andrew has found his today on the Better Call Daddy show. First, we interviewed Andrew's mom, Sonia. Today, we're following up with Sonia's son, Andrew. Andrew, welcome. Oh my God, I'm so excited to connect with you. I just love your mom. Yeah, she's awesome. She's the best, isn't she? Yeah. (laughs) I loved the episode with her. Oh my gosh. And your story is one I have never heard. Yep. Yep. (laughs) It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I feel like this is a normal way to meet somebody during COVID, right? Right. So, oh my gosh, should we just dive right into how did you find out about what your mom did to have you? (laughs) (laughs) She told me, my mother and I are very open with each other. Like I found out what a clitoris was because she called me one when I was like 11. (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're, we're in the cards calling each other names and she called me a clit and that's how I found that out so I found out the story about how I came to be I couldn't tell you what age but yeah she, she just told me wow yeah so did you learn that at a young age I mean relatively I think early teens okay yeah. well as I started to kind of like learn about sexuality I was like so you how did I you know what I mean and she was like well I wanted a kid and he was a good looking fella and the rest is history. A good old Kentuckian. Yeah. A <laughs> good old boy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and having said that, it's just a blessing that they weren't related, you know, like totally winning. You know, what's interesting about that. So I used to live in Louisville. I'm from Kentucky mm-hmm. and I met a girl at the JCC at the Jewish Community Center there. And she was combing the internet for a sperm donor. Okay. And so I got a whole education around that. I was like, oh, wait, you can like pick out eye color and like how tall you want them to be. And like, I'm like, that seems like a a good idea, right? (laughs) Like what they're into, what their hobbies are, like Mm -hmm. if they're strong in math. I mean, it's unbelievable, like what you can request. Then she told me that there is a limit to how much sperm you can donate because of the fact that you might have like 20 half siblings. Yeah. I think I've read stories where like a guy turns 67 and finds out that he has like 102 kids. To caveat off that, you actually have to meet very specific qualifications to donate sperm, at least in 2021. Because I remember reading something, it was like, $8,000 a shot. And so I was like, Hey, what do I need to do? You know what I mean? That's the original stimulus right there. (laughs) And uh, no, you need like a master's degree. Your like blood pressure has to be on point. Your family history has to be on point, like no illnesses in the family. I mean, I see the point that you don't want too much of the same DNA out there, but also they're very picky. So there must be levels of sperm donation. 
Yeah, there's got to be, right? I'm talking about the major leagues. (laughs) Oh my God, too. So I also love that they met like driving horse and carriage. Like that's- It's wild. Yeah, yep. (laughs) Growing up, did you want a dad around? Yeah, absolutely. I never really understood. And it was one of those things that my childhood without my dad is kind of like the reason why I am the way that I am today uh, with my kids. I never really understood what was going on with my dad. I never, I don't think that I asked about it too much. Like I asked about him, but I didn't ask like, why is he not here? Cause he was an over the road truck driver. So I always assumed that he was just working. There was a point in my life where I saw him one, two times a year tops, talk to him probably equally. One, one, two times a year. And as I got older, my mom even told me that uh, she would have to call him to remind him about my birthday. So he would call and, and wish me a happy birthday. So I've gotten less of those birthday calls in the recent years because there's nobody to remind him. But I mean, that is who he is. I can't fault him at all. He didn't, he obviously wasn't in on the master plan. I love that you call it that too. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's genius, really. Who can turn down a double with gorgeous women? You know what I mean? Like he thought for sure he was- Scoring a good night. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it doesn't get any better than that, right? In a guy's mind, can't be mad at him. He didn't didn't ask for it, but here I am. I could have died when your mom said that like after he left, she was like kicking her legs in the air and like, you know, trying to make sure that it went in. No shit. My first son, that's kind of how I remembered my mom's mom story. I was like, we're making this shit count. And what's crazy too is like so many people struggle to have children. Just do a handstand. No, I'm sorry. There's cancel culture out there. I know that some people have complications and it can be difficult. But if you haven't tried the handstand first, don't want to hear it. <laughs> I was literally telling my husband that story. And my son was like, is that what you did with me? Have you guys done handstands? I was like, oh my God, so funny. I actually love though how open you are with your mom. And she Mm -hmm. said too that you guys are like both into music together. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about that. So growing up, I can remember, so you're from Louisville, you know about the waterfront. I can remember watching my mom play at the waterfront on stage in front of like hundreds of people. And I can remember Summertime in Lemonade, her CD, her album, and I can remember listening to it. And since my whole life, she's been playing guitar and singing for me and stuff like that. That was something that I wanted to do was learn how to play Fast Car on guitar by Tracy Chapman. That's like my favorite that she does. But I I have not. I've not learned to do that yet. I guess I was... 14, 15, when I started kind of messing around with music, it started just like straight freestyles in the back of technology class. I had computer class. I would sit in the back and pull up YouTube and get on beats and I would just freestyle. And then as I got older, I started writing more and started losing my freestyle ability and started really just writing and trying to be super intricate and createful. I started as Drew Lee, um, Andrew Leland Thompson. And then when I was 18, 17, 18, I changed it to Don Naughty. K-N-O-T-T-Y. It's a synonym of intricate. It has to do with knots. And Don obviously is like the head of a family. It's the boss. So I took it as like the boss of intricacy. So my name is over your head. 
you know what I mean? Grew up inner city, grew up kind of rough, still privileged. I still got more than a lot of other kids got, but still grew up rough and surrounded myself with like a rough crowd. When you talk about rap and stuff like that, I feel like there's kind of a stigma, especially if you're a white rapper. Tell people I do music and they're like, oh, what instrument do you play? And you say, I rap. They're kind of like, serious? Yeah, no, I, I do. I love the name. Yeah. It's very esoteric. I appreciate it. Um, That's a $10 word. What was that? Esoteric, only understood by few. Yep, there you go. Boom. Where did you go to school? I went to Seneca for half my freshman year. And then I went to Liberty. And then I got kicked out of Liberty and I went to Butchel. And then I, know I about finished. Butchel. And then I finished my time at Butchel and graduated a year early from Liberty. So. Wow. Oh my God. What was Butchel like? Butchel was fucking wild, man. Um, yeah. It was crazy. So when you get sent to Butchel, it's literally like a, a sentence. So I got nine weeks in Butchel. I also went to Kennedy, which is the middle school, Butchel, right? Alternative school. And you have your parents have to sign a waiver saying that they are allowed to use whatever force is needed to stop you from harming like yourself or others. So what it turns into is the security there would like mess you up and it's your word against theirs. During fire drills, there was a kid that had crutches and one of the security guards was like, hurry up. And he was like, fuck you or something like that. And he fucking pushed him like down the last couple stairs and like he fell, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Um, and how old are these security guards? They're probably early 20s. They're older guys. Okay. Older guys. There's officers and then there's like some retired officers and stuff like that. But all of them are yoked. You know what I mean? All of them are strong. I get it. People still get drugs in, pills. A lot of people show up high. I know people that have snuck weed in there and smoked in there. And I'm like, wow, it's really dumb. So you ended up in an alternative school in middle school. How, how did that happen? So my seventh grade year, I went to Mazik. And seventh grade is when I really dropped off. I started the year in AP classes, advanced program. And by the end of the year, I was in the BD classes, the behavioral disorder, where there's like seven other kids and we have pizza Fridays. And I literally would run out of the room and run all over the school and security would catch me and bring me back. And I would stand in the corner for 10 minutes and then get on the computer. So after that, I got kicked out of Mazik. Eighth grade, I went to Myers, almost finished the year. There was a couple instances where I could have gotten kicked out. I brought a BB gun, like one of the metal ones that looked real on the bus and had the whole JCPS school bus system on high alert and ended up fighting somebody. And I, I beat this kid up real bad and ended up getting kicked out. And my last, I think it was six or eight weeks I spent at Kennedy. Where do you think that stemmed from? I looked for acceptance a lot, especially not having a dad. And then my home life with my mom got so bad because she was trying her best. We both could have done better. She was trying her best, but she, she would get frustrated with me. And so she would start taking stuff away. Well, you can only take so much away, you know, door off the hinges, no toys, no music, no TV, no nothing like bare essentials. I remember one birthday, I, I was in my room the whole day, like she brought lunch up to me. You know what I mean? So I do. I'm a mom of four and I get super frustrated too. Can't blame her for everything. I definitely was an asshole. After a while, after everything's taken away, now school is my place. School is my home. 
So I have perfect attendance because my mom's making me go to school every day and that's my place to show out. So I'm going to get everybody's attention. I like this group of people and I'm going to do everything that I say I'm going to do to get credibility, whether it was walking up and punching somebody that just like looked at me wrong. Or I remember one time after school at Mazik, somebody was like, you won't go kick that window out of like the gym door. And I did. So it was just like doing whatever to to feel accepted. And I did. I had notoriety. Like everybody knew who I was pretty much everywhere I went. Like, how did your mom respond to that? She didn't know about a lot of stuff. She thinks she knows that she she, she knows about a lot of stuff because she did find out about a lot of stuff. But it's like the, the whole iceberg theory. Like she found out about a lot of shit, but there's that much more. She didn't understand. She didn't understand. She didn't understand why I was violent. She didn't like violence at all. On the flip side, I remember the first time I ever knocked somebody out was in seventh grade. And I knocked this kid, Matthew Mormon, out in the hall with with one punch. I hit him as hard as I could, and he went to sleep in the hallway. My mom called my dad. And my dad, when I get on the phone with him, you know, she's talked to him. You need to tell your son that he can't be doing this. And, you know, and he said, boy, you can't be going around school and, and hitting people and whatnot and tell me this I said yes sir he said did you drop them I said yes sir he said (laughs) he laughed he was like all right boy give me back to your mom I was like yeah so that's so interesting so bonding moments yeah it's really interesting like he was split up from his wife are they they're together now they got back together she died oh my god she got decapitated what she was driving under the influence and ran into the back of a semi and got decapitated oh my god that's awful i'm so sorry that is crazy did he remarry no did you ever wish your parents would be together i don't think so i knew that my mom liked women and if you and guys talked about like the heterosexual homosexual thing, like. I don't think so. I think the way that I grew up, I grew up around the whole LGBT community before that was a thing, right? Like, yeah, it was just it used to, it used normal. to just be everybody knew everybody. And so we would all hang around the same people. Like I could shoot off a list of names of people that we hung around. They're all part of the community now, but it used to just be a friend group. Interesting. Um, and so I, I grew up around it. I thought it was completely normal. And it is, you know what I mean? And my mom let me know when I was young that it's okay to like girls. It's okay to like boys. It's okay. It's up to you. You just, you don't have to think about that right now, but it's totally up to you and both are okay. I knew that I liked girls. I knew that she liked girls and I knew that my dad liked girls, obviously. So outside that, the question of how I came to be never really talked about it too much. So my dad's last name is Yates and I have a lot of Yates blood in me. So him and his two brothers. So my dad is Billy. I have my uncle Kevin and uncle Kelly and they raised hell. They were tough as hell. They were fighters. They were known. They didn't lose. You know what I mean? And they were hard headed as as shit. You think you got some of that? Oh, definitely got that. I definitely got the temper. My mom has a temper too. I got the temper from both sides. I got the stubbornness. I think a little bit more from my dad's side, but definitely from my mom's side too. Don't let her fool you. (laughs) Oh my God. Do you know that she sang on my show? Did she tell you? She told me, yeah. I actually really loved that. 
I've only yeah. had two people perform on my show and she's one of them. She has a beautiful voice. I was actually very touched It's gorgeous. By it. It's gorgeous. It's different. It's powerful. It's not too sing-songy. There's a lot of passion and soul in it. Oh my God. I totally felt her soul. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever collaborated? Like, would you want her to sing like a hook? So that's something that I've tried to think of and, and come up with. Absolutely is the answer. Yeah, absolutely. My wife sings as well. Oh, cool. And she's a little bit more like poppy and sing-songy and she ha- she can carry very well. I have a hard time coming up with something that we can collaborate on as well. My style is very deep, like my voice. There's a lot of bass when I perform and stuff like that. So it's hard for me to get on something where they're singing because it's almost like the way that my style is kind of goes against it. So I'm sure that there's something out there. I just haven't thought of it the right way yet. That makes like sense. I love like Ja Rule and like, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Playing is there the anything it's, you'd want to sing? I, I can. Yeah. I'll give you something real short. I'm not going to lie. I prepared it. Awesome. Yay. I will say I'm kind of new to sobriety. And having done that, I had to step away from pretty much the circle that I was in when I was making music. So I have a shit ton of unreleased music, like enough for a tape. So I'll probably be dropping that soon. So if anybody's watching this and they want to tune into my music, this is kind of like the prefix to that. Growing up, I had a hole inside, unidentified, and to this day, I feel my soul divide. It's so divine, I'm on a different plane of thought. I lost the reason that been keeping me alive. I need a purpose. You stick it out with me, I'll make it worth it. My sons are on my back, take the heat, but I wasn't shirtless. Let's work it. They play me and not like I spit the sermon. I serve them. You need it, I got it. This bag ain't burking. I can count the times that I didn't need it to provide it. You can't understand unless you took the time. I need a purpose. I love it. Appreciate it. You got to keep going with that. I know it. I know it. It's just a little... <laughs> I love it. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, maybe even your wife would be interested in in collaborating with you. And that's really cool. I feel like super musical family yeah. all around. That's really cool. Yeah. My dad's into singing. I mean, he sang like in a choir in synagogue and talk to me about your chapter of non-sobriety. I never thought of drinking or smoking as a problem. Because I know for a fact that I've had family members that struggled with substance abuse, but I never thought of it like that. So I started smoking, I guess, eighth grade. Eighth grade, I started smoking weed. I think that's like a pretty typical age. I'm like, that doesn't seem so abnormal. Yeah, yeah. No, I started smoking weed around eighth grade. Started drinking ninth, tenth grade-ish. There was a period when I got kicked out of Liberty and sent to Butchel, my mom was like, I'm done. I cannot take it anymore. So she sent me, my dad said, I'm not driving a truck anymore. I got a job in town. I have an apartment. He can come live with me. So I went and lived with him for a little while. And that fucking sucked. Really? How come? He is an alcoholic, real bad. Okay. Verbally, mentally abusive. Like I wasn't allowed to sit on the couch. Like he'd come in and be like, sit up. I got a job at 16, washing dishes and working in the kitchen at Sal's, which is a sports bar. And there would be plenty of nights where he was there when I started working and he would be there when I got off, you know, just drinking. I can remember there was one week where I had three packets of oatmeal and half a can of peanuts for six days oh my god 
I was still under my mom's name for school. So I didn't get free lunch because she made too much, but he didn't give me any money for lunch. So eventually I, I started having to pay for my own shit. So while I was living with him during the summertime for about a week, I just kind of went MIA and I just went with my mom, Ronnie, and I don't know whose car he had, but he had a car. We had a gallon of Heaven Hill <laughs> and a bunch of weed and we just went and partied for like a week. And that kind of, I guess, started it. It kind of, okay, I like this. I like this. I like this. And ever since then, I've been a pretty avid pot smoker, huge pothead. Didn't see anything wrong with it. Still don't think there's anything wrong with it. Since I started my sobriety, I had to kind of get out of that circle. Well, when I was 16, 17, I got into the underground music scene in Louisville. That was such a fun scene for a while there. Louisville had such a great music scene. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of opening back up with Jack Harlow and ESTG and 2K Baby. But the underground scene, yes, used to be a ball. And I was 17 doing shows at bars and stuff like that. And so I was around weed all the time. And the more that I got into it, I was around alcohol more. And it really just kind of sets you up where you normalize it and you don't think anything of it. One day you wake up and you're like, okay, well, I got to smoke a joint to get my mind right real quick. If you have to put a substance into your body other than like prescription drugs that a doctor or therapist or psychiatrist has given you to get your mind right, some shit's wrong. You know what Even I mean? Even cigarettes can be like that. Coffee can be like that. Yeah. Yeah. Caffeine, nicotine, all of that stuff. Yep. So it's crazy. I have so many memories that are blank. I have forgotten so many things that if somebody says it to me, it'll come back. But it, it really is. It's like the last several years of my life were a blur. But now um, you're not going to have blanks because you and your mom started a podcast and you're going to start capturing some of these that's experiences. Right. That's right. Yep. I can't wait. I'm super excited. I think she probably told you that you're kind of like the inspiration. We had kind of talked about doing something. And then she told me, she was like, hey, my friend has a podcast called Better Call Daddy. And I think that we should do one too. And I was like, yes. Yeah. yeah like the mother son thing, like people love the intergenerational play. Like, mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot to that. And you're both into music she can use some of her like creative strengths that, you know, she's not maybe necessarily exercising right now, but things that she loves doing and apply it to the two of you. I just think mm -hmm. it'll be such a beautiful thing. There's other content coming to our YouTube channel as well. Probably end up doing, I think she had said it before. She loves it when I translate lyrics so that she can understand. So she'll listen to a rap song. And I'll go through and I will Webster dictionary the shit out of it so that she can understand it. And <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. So there's plenty of that. Um, I love that. That could be comedy right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be a doozy. And then. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a TikTok segment. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And she has a TikTok and it's awesome. And she'll be like pointing to the translations. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. That's genius, actually. Oh, mm -hmm. my gosh. You guys are going to have, like, so much originality. It's awesome. I can't wait. I'm going to do some unoriginal stuff, too. Like, in my military service, I was a military police officer. What? I didn't know about that. Yeah. So I joined in 2017, February 8th. I signed my contract. And I've had one deployment to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, for 11 months. What? And do you know I've interviewed somebody else that went to Guantanamo? Really? 
Yeah, this guy who played the ukulele on my show. I'm going to have to send you that. But yeah, for sure. Did you talk to the detainees? Yeah, I worked inside Camp 6. Wow. What did that make you think about? Dealing with the ISNs. So I can't talk like too much about it. But what I will say is there is this huge, huge misconception that they're being mistreated and they 100% absolutely are not. If I ever commit a felony that gives me life, I don't want to go to any prison other than Gitmo. Send me to fucking Gitmo because, I mean, huge meals, PlayStations, outer rec spaces, inner rec spaces, super rec, I mean, like, game rooms, they are not... Aside from the fact that it sucks being locked up, they have it as good as you could possibly have it for somebody that committed an act of terror. Did you have compassion for any of them? No. Did you they, sense hate? I mean, obviously, you know, that they don't they don't love you. <laughs> and and at, at any given day, you could build a rapport with one ISN, which I thought was smart to do. It's tricky because they're super manipulative, but my stance is I don't care. I don't care what you did. I don't care why you're here. I don't care how long you're here. I really don't even want to be here. I would like to go home. I'm here to do a job. Outside of that, yeah, I talk to them. They're people. You know what I mean? I I talk to them. You're not supposed to really have a conversation with them outside of like, what do you need? But come on, like they've been there for 17 years. They're going to die there probably. You know what I mean? What Mm -hmm. did the military teach you? Okay, so to get kind of deep for a second, yeah. obviously like there's a brotherhood. It's going through traumatic experiences, which you might not call like BCT traumatic. I definitely wouldn't. It's just people yelling and you have to do stuff, but going through stuff together bonds you. And I kind of have like a mutual respect for a lot of people that have taken that step and done that. I think for me, growing up, I had a hard time expressing my feelings and I would just keep things inside and I would stuff and I would stuff and I would stuff until I just blew up. The army kind of reinforced that for me. You know, you don't ever show that you're tired. Going down to Gitmo, if you're having a bad day, you don't show it. Don't show the ISNs any emotion. There's a stigma around mental health. Like if you tell somebody, I saw it firsthand, one of the sergeants in my unit Granted, I do think that maybe she was bullshitting, but what I'm saying right now is proving the point that I'm about to make. She said that she wanted to kill herself and everybody was like, she just wants to get off the deployment. I kind of think so too, but that's the stigma around mental health in the military. You don't really talk. Mental health in the military has become what sexuality used to be. It's kind of like a don't ask, don't tell. Right. So the Navy has their programs because Gitmo is a Navy base. So they have their therapists and counselors and stuff like that. So if you're feeling psychologically tender, you can go and pet a dog or watch a movie, have a snack, chill out in the AC, talk to somebody. You know what I mean? Did you pet a dog? I did one time because we had to go get checked out. Like everybody had to go through and and see somebody and be like, so how are you feeling? It's like, good. Can I go? Yep. All right. Sweet. I had one day where I was inside the camp and I had an anxiety attack, literally a normal day. Nothing was happening. I was just sitting there and we would wear stab vests underneath our uh, blouses. 
And uh, all of a sudden, it just felt like there was a huge weight on my chest. Mind you, I wasn't I wasn't fat back then. I was pretty in shape. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it just felt like there's a huge weight on my chest. And I thought, well, this is it. I'm about to have a heart attack. You know, tell my wife, peace. Ended up taking my stab vest off and, and breathing a little bit. They were like, do you want to go talk to, you know, the Navy or do you want to? I was like, let me go see the chaplain because I'm not going to be on record as being crazy because that's what you're going to get labeled as. So I went to the chaplain and I was like, yeah, having a religious crisis here. And that's pretty much the extent of that. That's what the military has taught me is stuffing is toxic. It's definitely something that's reinforced. I think that there needs to be more conversations about mental health and mental health treatment. And I don't think that you should get slapped with a label for feeling a certain way. God, I feel like mental health is so freaking hard to navigate. Oh, it's tough. As somebody that's struggled with mental health, I'll just throw it out there because I've never been shy to tell my story. I have four suicide attempts in the past year. I tried to overdose on my prescription meds. I tried to sit in my brother's garage with the car running until the car just shut itself off because of lack of oxygen, didn't pass. I tried again to overdose on sleep medication and ended up just getting sick and sleeping it off. And then I sat in a church parking lot with the SKS under my chin and I just couldn't, couldn't do it. And he came and took it out of my hands. And, oh my God. Um, but as somebody that struggles with mental health, I don't want to be treated like, hey, buddy. You know, I'm not four years old. I'm a grown ass fucking man and I'm sad. It is, it's hard to navigate, especially nowadays. I hate to say it, but like, you don't want to offend anybody. You don't want to belittle anybody, but you also want to show compassion for people, if that makes sense. How have you gotten through it? Just day by day. Luckily, I'm going through the VA. I'm, you know, on prescription meds and those help. Um, But even the days that they don't help and I feel like I don't want to be here, I literally just take it day by day. If I feel suicidal, I will tell myself, you know what, let's just not do anything about it today. Let's go to sleep and we'll revisit the thought tomorrow. What were those days like leading up to that? Like what gets you the most down? Like, I feel like you're such a special soul. It's one of those things that just kind of builds up and builds up and builds up. I don't talk about it because I don't want anybody to worry or I didn't rather I do now. I have a veterans wristband where I can call a number or I've even checked myself into the VA for a couple of days. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Just feeling kind of hopeless. Like this is not going to get better. I have so much on my plate that's unresolved and I really don't want to deal with it. A big one is thinking, wow, I'm such a fucking basket case that it would literally be better for my kids if I removed myself so that way life can present somebody else that maybe is a better role model. Totally irrational, but definitely a front runner in, in, the, in the thoughts. I don't want my kids to ever feel like this. I don't ever want to lead them down the wrong path. Maybe I should allow somebody else to step in and raise them. My oldest son, his mom and I were high school sweethearts. We had him when I was 18. Wow. And she has been with a different guy's name's Alonzo for a couple of years now. And they have another little boy. And Alonzo is awesome. 
He's awesome. His family's awesome. I moved from Kentucky to Cali. Oh, wow. Um, before I joined the army because I had to lose weight and stuff like that. So I lived with my mom for about four months. So from October, 2016 till August, 2017, I was away from Kentucky and Alonzo stepped in and did a phenomenal job raising my son. Wow. And then, you know, obviously when I was deployed, phenomenal job taking care of Caleb. So I look at that, or I, I used to look at that and I'd be like, if my wife found an Alonzo, could I really be mad at it? You know what I mean? Those are called stuck points. If anyone's ever done, uh, it's called CPT, cognitive processing therapy. It's for PTSD. They're called stuck points. So it's certain thoughts that you have, like I'm not a good father or I'm not a good person or I'm unable to protect my family. Those are all thoughts that you have that are harmful and not true. How do you stop thinking those things? I feel like everybody said, I'm not a good parent. I'm not a good wife. I'm not a good this. The first step for me is recognizing it. There's a stuck point. I know what that is. I know what that is. That's not true. Okay, We're just so gonna... saying that's not true, I think is a good thing to say. Yeah, absolutely. That's not true. I'm having this thought right now, but it's not true. It's not real. So I'm just going to shut down my brain for a little bit, play Call of Duty or fucking whatever, go somewhere. I have my Let Me Vents, and I also have a song called Devil in a Bottle, and I plan to make music videos for those songs and to put them out so that people can see those and and relate to them and, and hopefully either reach out and get some help or find solace in what I'm creating, you know what I mean? And just know that they're not alone. So I've thought about that plenty of times. If my, my pain was my purpose. Like I definitely have, have been through some serious shit from being shot at like point blank range to trying to take my own life to tripping balls off acid at like 3 p.m. in a Buffalo Wild Wings parking lot on the phone with Mormons <laughs> talking about the Bible. <laughs> like I have done so much shit. When did you get shot at point blank? That's terrifying. 2016, right before I moved to Cali, my sister called me and said that her boyfriend was putting hands on her. And so I went over there and I beat his ass bad. And I told him, go inside and get anything that's yours because you're never coming. I think my exact words are, I'll die before you come back in this house. And he, he grabbed a gun and shot at me through the front door and ended up hitting her kind of in the hip. Oh my God, that's horrible, but it did hit her. Mm -hmm. I'm glad she's okay. Yep. Well, I am so glad that those attempts didn't work because you are too. too special of a story and of a person it. and of a soul and I I just can say that I relate to you and I have felt mm -hmm. all of those things that you have felt and it sucks it is good to think about how to snap yourself out of that mm -hmm. that's why I said I'll never shy away from my story because I have attempts and you know what I was unable I did not succeed and I got better God saved you. I don't know if you believe in God, but yeah, absolutely. Actually. Yeah. I know somebody that literally has held a gun to his head, pulled the trigger and it didn't work. When it's not your time, it's not your time. I genuinely believe that. And honestly, I feel like honored and special that we're connecting at this period of your life. Like all that we've been through up until this point, And now mm -hmm. we're connecting right now. Yeah. I feel like you're a holy soul. So I appreciate it. Is there anything you'd like to ask my daddy? If he could go back at any point in time and move somewhere other than Louisville, where would he go? 
Ooh, nobody's asked him that. Love that. And, and if the answer's nowhere, what's keeping him here? Good question. I love that. I can't wait to ask him that. A lot of soul in this city. So I'll be excited to hear what he says. Thank you. Let people know how they can connect with you. I'm on Instagram. It's all lowercase Don Naughty E-N-T, D-O-N-K-N-O-T-T-Y-E-N-T. I'm also on Facebook as G-B-O Don. And then I also have a Twitch, which is twitch.tv forward slash Don underscore Naughty 600. You can catch me live streaming on there, playing the game with the boys. Yeah, Thompson Talk as well. Yes. Type in in Thompson Talk. Come check me and my mom out. Come hang out with us. Send us whatever you want us to talk about. If she won't talk about it, I will, because I don't give a fuck. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. This is your follow-up with Andrew, Sonia's son. A couple of uh, interesting comments right off the start is that you can make a baby, the father not being aware of it, but you can't make a father be a father in real life just because you made a baby. That's a tough reality, right? Yeah, because still another example of where even though Sonia has this yearning to have a child and not necessarily have a father figure as an important ingredient, but as you've heard from Andrew, Having a father is an important ingredient in developing a son and probably a daughter as well. So it's not easy to do without one or the other. So your father's interpretation of what a solid relationship is gets confirmed that a father needs to be a father, not only in making the child, but being part of the child's life for the entire journey. It's interesting that Andrew even tells you that he became rebellious in school to authority figures. The, the, the back and forth thing occurred even in his life, where is he part of his father's life eventually? Or is he part of his mother's life? Searching for identity becomes a continued issue in his life. And it can be depressing, including where alcohol and drugs and even mental illness of your own existence becomes an issue where he's even attempted at times during his frustration to maybe end it all and that he doesn't belong in this world. And that is some tough realities to overcome. But connecting with your father, connecting with issues, having a podcast where you can express yourself openly and freely, not only is it good for you and me, but it's good for many relationships where you do the thing together. It's a way of really talking it all out about your innermost feelings and being able to accept things a little bit easier when you talk it all out. Which you think of his little music number. It was different. And I really like the idea that his differences and his mom's differences where they're trying to relate and put something together. They clearly are very, very different people. And yet, to have some type of combination and find common bonds together is a curable thing, the depression that he can get into at times. I also found it very interesting that his father's wife that he went back to ended up being killed in an accident. The irony of also face, he has to face his own demons of alcohol 
and that gets passed on, where again, our demons uh, can get passed on to our children also. That's why it's so important that we beat our own demons, because it can become also our legacy. We have a big job in our whole lives to do the best that we can to set a good example to not only improve ourselves, but to improve uh, the people around us, and especially our own children and children's children. And he himself is a dad now. Yes. How do you like how when he was not feeling at his best, he was just wondering, again, that thought that when I'm not doing well myself, would it be better for someone else to watch my children? And the answer is obviously no. person that can do the best job in watching your children is you yourself. But you have to be able to make inroads into improving yourself because that's the example your children really want to follow. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 